Hey there, folks. Episode number 43. It is so freaking nice outside that I don't want to be here. I don't want to be no, in the studio, Kev. I rarely do. I want to be here almost any week, but this weather harkens back to those glory days of episode 15, 16, uh, when it was still nice out and all that good stuff. Yeah, when the show was barely fully formed. That's true. Uh, That's true. I somewhat argue it may have been more fully formed back then. We're just like free form Fridays out here coming out on Tuesdays. Very true. Uh, we have a special guest this week, uh, Brett Truitt. He is the man behind the Soft Nose Company, and he is also the man behind the NoDowntownHospital.com website. So a fascinating conversation with him. And uh, let's say we get to the show, sir. Let's do it. Yeah. different for us too because normally when we do the show we tend to do it a little bit later during the day we tape at like six mm-hmm. or seven at night mm-hmm. the sun is down it is sun is shining it's what's it like three o'clock right now well four thirty. yeah something like that so it's uh definitely getting warm in the studio oh, I, yeah. I guess we better get used to it our house is very strange slash our studio is very strange we don't get a discernible amount of sun because of the way the house is laid out we have that enclosed front porch yeah enclosed back porch the side of our house doesn't get a lot of light so for the last couple days, I've noticed that it's been nicer outside than it has been in the house. For some reason, it's cold as hell in the house the last few days and beautiful outside. Uh, but that was good for you yesterday since you spent most of yesterday outside anyway. Dude, yesterday was so nice. So we went, uh, me and Mark Simon and a bunch of other guys went down. Uh, Paul Diamond, good friend of the show from Gentleman's Corner Barbershop, decided to buy out the whole stage for the Comets games. Mm-hmm. So when you look behind one of the goals, there's just that stage. And so we went there, uh, we went down and, you know, they put they had catering out on the stage and we were right up against the glass. But before that, we went and tailgated at uh, Howard Potter's new A&P Master Images mm-hmm. building. And he had everybody down there, uh, Nick from Holy Smoke, sent out a bunch of food. And we were outside just, you know, drinking beers in the sun, playing can jam. I got a little bit of a sunburn on my forehead, actually. Mm. It was so nice to be, like, outside and barbecuing mm. and having a beer and just standing out in the sun and... Man, it was. You know what's funny too? We didn't have much of a winter. We didn't get a lot no. of snow or anything like that. No. But it's still just getting out in the sun with that temperature. It was a great day. The Comets is a good game. They lost a heartbreaker, yeah. but I'll tell you what, man. After sitting on that stage and watching the game from that vantage point, oh, I'm yeah. kind of spoiled. I never <laughs> want to go sit in a regular seat again. Cause like it was nice because you could be up like yeah. walking around and standing and socializing and still watching the game as opposed to, like everybody in their seat. That's the way to go. We had a good crew, too, like 25 people or so, I think. When uh, when we did the teddy bear toss for UC, yeah. uh, we went there, and I, I sat on that stage for a while because the New York Sash people had it. I went up there and got some uh, some drinks on the cheap. Yeah. It really is nice to sit up in there. It's a, you really mm-hmm. do feel like a, like a badass out yeah. there. Uh, I'll tell you what I did yesterday, which is I did not go to that event because I was not trying to spend any money. Because that's, that's how I do things, folks. I just don't spend money. I'm a cheap guy. Uh, so what I did is I sat on the back porch of our house for three hours right. and read a book in the sunlight, which was very great. That sounds pretty I did good. enjoy it. That sounds pretty good. Uh, if anyone's curious, the book is called The Plague by Albert Camus. Uh, it's about the plague. It's very good, actually. Yeah, just some nice light reading. <laughs> some light summer reading. Beautiful summer day. Just getting the um, vibe. So uh, 
Also, that night as well was the three-year anniversary of the dev. The dev in South... Uh, in, that was the night before. Is that the night before? That was Saturday so night, it yeah. all runs together for It really me. does. Com- Comets game. Anymore. We went and tailgated the Comets game oh, on Sunday. The Sunday, night before yeah. was... Yeah, night before was the dev's three-year anniversary party. Uh, shout out to our man, Tim Schramm. Um, we talk about it all the time. We haven't been going out much because of the weather. Now that it's been getting nicer out, we've been sort of moving out of the hibernation period. Um, I hadn't been to the dev in a while. And it wasn't... It wasn't anything specific. It's sure. just that I had barely been anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we went to go to the dev. They had, you know, Thomas D. was performing. Uh, there was a band who performed before Thomas, and I feel bad that I didn't catch the name, but they were well, excellent. Well, because, no, we, we walked in right as uh, Thomas D. was starting. Like, yeah. I walked in, I said, hey, to Tim. He's like, oh, you're just in time, and then, like, hit go on his mixer, pretty yeah. much. Uh, but shout out to Tim. Uh, it was a great event. Shout out to Thomas. Uh, there were a lot of people out, too. A lot of people out. Every time I end up at the dev, um, I always forget how much I like it, and I always wonder why I don't go there more often. He's got such the one of one of my favorite things about that building, and you know it's been that way since even when it was just the Devereaux before. But I like it's you know it's tough when the place gets as full as it was because you know Saturday night it was packed. Oh yeah. But it's so cool to have the different types of areas. Like you've got that square with the different booths. You've got the spot where you can sit up in the window and like mm-hmm. the nice easy chairs. You've got all the different like. It's nice to have. It's a really interesting layout where you can have the best of a lot of different worlds in one, you know, mm. relatively small place. Shout out to anyone who saw me bust in a groove on you the were dance a, floor. You, dude, you were a dancing machine on Saturday night. Look, man, I like to you dance. You were out there just stunting on everybody in the room. Nah, absolutely. Look, I've learned over the years, maybe it's the years that I spent at Space 26 dancing with uh, our good friend of the show, John, John Zangrone, who I'm trying to get on to come talk about his years of dancing. Uh, I like to dance, man. I know that gets a lot of weird reps for, like, I don't think so. I think people like to dance now. I think people are okay with, like, dancing. The key to dancing has always been, doesn't matter if you're good or bad, it matters if you're out there doing your thing. If you have confidence, it doesn't matter what moves you're doing. I have no moves. I do this one, I do like the white boy shuffle where I'm just like, I'm going to bounce my shoulders and dip think, my legs. I think we should make some videos for the listeners of you giving instructions on your few trademark dance moves. Ah, yes. The uh, the Caucasian dance moves I've learned from my, from my time in Caucasia. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, Mayor's Ball was actually the same night as the Dev 3 anniversary party. I'm not going to go into that, uh, but Aaron Higgins is not here this week. Justin Parkinson is here. He was at the Mayor's Ball, so I'll let him, uh... Do you think he will ever be allowed back the Mayor's Ball? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm surprised he would... He's such a curmudgeon. He was complaining the whole time. I don't want to dress up. I don't want to go out. But then at like 5.30, he's like, what do you think his title's good on me? I'm like, you're such a, <laughs> such a nerd. Um, so a couple things real quick before we get into the show proper. Um, according to Justin. Is this not the show proper? I don't think it I is I feel like proper. once we do this first segment, it's the show proper. I feel like this is us getting ready for the show. It, well, then what's that thing we yell about before the music comes on? That's the intro Episode piece. 43, the intro. I feel like this is the show proper. The intro will eventually be where advertising revenue comes from. Guys, guys and gals, advertising revenue. Anyhow, um, so uh, according to Justin, he'll be posting my uh, my article for the health and wellness blog that was going up. Uh, oh, you wrote one. I wrote one a week ago, and he's yet to post it. I'll, I'll complain well, right. to him about it later. Uh, so that'll be up later this week. Aaron will uh, assumably have another one coming up. Uh, and before we get into the show, I just want to very quickly uh, state what's going to be happening here. So uh, Brett Truitt is here to talk with us today. Uh, he's the man behind the NoDowntownHospital.com website. He's one of the uh, he's one of the guys who's really been talking. One of the leading voices. One of the leading in the voices. No Hospital Downtown movement. Um, so what we did is we had Brett come in today, and I planned on having him talk for about twelve to thirteen minutes, and then we also had um, uh, Sam Colosimo Testa come in to talk pro hospital. 
The initial plan was to have both of them talk for 10 to 13 minutes and then play them both together. Uh, predictably, what happened is that both people had fascinating stories to tell and had interesting conversations, and they all went 22 minutes. So for this week, we are going to do Brett's 22 minutes interview, and then next week we will do Sam's interview. However, on the Sunday Drive show this week, coming up on 92.7 The Drive, what we'll be doing is we'll be condensing both interviews into um, one piece so you can get a counterpoint point argument. So that'll be coming up this week, uh, and I'll talk about that with you folks on the internet, and I'll bring it up when Justin gets here. But look forward to this week's episode, which will feature both Brett Truitt and Sam Colosimo. That'll be on 92.7 on Sunday morning. But for today, we're going to get the full interview from Brett Truitt, and he has a fascinating story as well. So, uh, looks like Parkinson's on the way here. Shall we get into the, the show the proper? The show proper, I guess, yeah. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. As I was bringing Justin into the studio, he kept telling me that he has the song Let's Hear It For The Boys stuck in his head, and he's had it stuck in his head all day long. Remember that song? I, I have no idea what that is or what he's talking about. Let's hear it for the boys. Remember that song? It's from the 90s? Never heard it. It's a good one. I, I like that no song. no idea. You people out there know what I'm talking about. Give it a listen. It's a good tune. Uh, Justin Parkinson, Made in Utica. What's up, buddy? Oh, you know, this guy. <laughs> Great. Um, we we stood back from talking about the mayor's ball because we did not go. But you attended the mayor's ball. What did you have to say about said event? It's it was even better because I didn't have to pay for the ticket. Shout out to Julie Dukes for the hookup. Um, it was uh, it was a good time. It was um, you know it's a good thing to to be able to network with people because obviously you guys know we do a lot of networking where we tend to be within our own age group, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. You don't really get out to get with business owners, elected officials in a, in a setting like that. So there was a lot of cool people to talk to from, you know, we walked in, mayor shaking hands in the line. We kind of bypassed the line just to get in there to get to the open bar, of course. And he stops what he's doing, turns around, looks at us, and he's like, Utica, up, oh, you know, like doing all these things. Marks walks yeah, over, yeah. shakes his hand. So we like cut the line, you know, so it's, uh, it's funny and it's cool to to be involved and to see people who are now recognizing stuff that we're doing. Um, I didn't like dressing up, so I guess that was probably the worst part. But every, <laughs> you every, never every, liked yeah, dressing so up. I hate it. What do you hate so much about dressing up? Ironing clothes. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> really? I dress up all the time. And I gotta tell you, I very rarely iron anything. Yeah, you can make it work if you don't have an iron. Yeah, I don't for some reason. I I just. It just doesn't work for me, I guess. I don't know. Can I say this? And I don't mean this in a bad way or a good way. When you dressed up that night, it was very 80s. You had a big sport coat on with, like, the puffy shoulders and, like, the sweater vest. With the, it was very, very yeah, 80s Yeah, I'm kind of going for um, Miami Vice type of look. I want to wear That is not what you ended up with. <laughs> I got to tell you. The exact opposite of what Miami you Vice, don't Miami, tell, They don't know that. This is audio. <laughs> Miami Vice doesn't have sweaters. <laughs> Everyone kept saying you're gonna be so hot. I was like, no, I'm not. With a jacket and a sweater on, you're crazy. Mm. I was fine. Uh, for anyone who was at the mayor's ball, though, uh, let it be known that Justin Parkinson stole the crown from the photo area. Depends. So if anyone's curious on where it is, depends who you're asking. Or if anybody who's looked at any of the social media feeds from Maiden Utica, Uticast, anything like that from over the weekend, you saw a lot of that crown. That crown got some good action on it Saturday. Did. I would like to believe it was a direct coronation. 
And uh, first off, <laughs> first off, you can't coordinate yourself. <laughs> Second of all, who's making you king of Utica? Um, you know, if it exists in your head, it's fine. <laughs> you say it enough times, it's just true. I'm gonna... I didn't realize this was our mental health awareness episode. <laughs> um, well, speaking of uh, making things up in your head and moving along know, from there, a segue, right? that's a good segue <laughs> into what we're talking about here. Um, primaries are today. By the time you folks hear this, today is the primaries in New York State. You should be out voting for a candidate, unless you're registered as an independent. In that case, you're not allowed to vote, which I've seen a lot of people complaining about. Uh, but it is important. This is the first time in a long time it feels like the New York primary actually is important for once. More often than not, it seems like something people can skip. Uh, we've had a lot of coverage over the mm. last couple of weeks on MadeInUtica.com. We were at the Donald Trump rally. Yep. Uh, Matt Mazur from 315Live.fm sent us a lot of the Bernie Sanders audio from the Bernie Sanders rally. We went to MV again later this week to see John Kasich. Yep. Uh, Hillary is not coming to New York. No. Chelsea's coming. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts? Primaries tomorrow. How do you feel, man? Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing just with, with the turnout. And I think in Utica in particular, there's a lot of people younger interested in it. Mm. I just feel like it doesn't matter. You know, as much as everybody, um, that I come across and a lot of people I deal with on a regular basis want Bernie Sanders to win. Um, I just don't think he's going to, unfortunately. Um, but the fact that people care and they're in this area talking to people, whether it be Trump, Kasich, uh, Sanders, and all that stuff, says a lot about how they feel about what's going on here. So, I mean, you can't really beat that. But um, it's a spectacle. All of them a little bit were. I mean, Kasich was a little bit toned down. Am I even saying his name right? Like that was John, Yeah, that's Kasich. Um, well, you were, at the, you were at the Trump rally, mm-hmm. and then a week later you were at the Kasich rally. Right. Um, and the first thing you told – I did not go to the Trump rally with you because I adamantly refused to go to the yeah, Trump I rally. You offered to me to yeah. go. I did not want to go. I'm not interested. Um, the only problem that that really got me with the Kasich thing is I actually had – I thought Kasich was actually interesting. Mm. I thought John Kasich actually had fine points and had fine valid arguments to make, except the fact is he's not going to win. Right. There's just not that – even going to the Trump rally – and going to the Kasich rally, how many more people were at Trump than there were at Kasich? Oh, thousands. What's the, look at the crowd difference. Yeah. The crowd at the Trump rally was instigating issues against the media, against the press. Yes. Kasich's press guys couldn't have been nicer to us. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's a shame that Kasich is running in the one election of our lifetime where his actual responsible conservatism doesn't appeal because that's not what people want. Yeah, right and now. this well, is the, the major two things difference about those rallies. Sorry, Kev. Um, Trump made a statement that people were yelling out stuff, and he said, well, I'm not going to say it, but yell out whatever you want. I agree with you. And then Kasich's taking questions from the audience. So the tones of these two rallies were completely different. You mm. got people yelling stuff that, that Trump's feeding into, and then another guy who's actually answering questions directly from the audience. It's polar opposites. Mm. Yeah, it seemed, uh, it seems to be a shame for a guy like Kasich to be running at a time when nobody's interested in serious politics and you know specifically this is the monster that's been created you know on the the right side of the aisle for a long time as far as pandering to the most like base insanity in their party and everything like that now you've created a monster where these people don't want a reasonable discussion mm-hmm. because if they go out there for a guy like case because like well yeah you know 
we're going to work to pass some common sense stuff and make some compromises. These people would like to crucify him if they could because a lot of the people, and you know, whether it's the majority or the minority, these are the vocal people yep. who represent the party as a whole. It's tough for a guy like Kasich who's out here just like, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing and what I thought people do and to get buried by a call to personality situation like Trump. Well, it's funny because Sam and I were even saying is that um, he's, he's kind of running on sensibility will prevail is what I keep telling everybody. His, his tone was... This is madness. The guy's not smart. And if we just stick to what we're doing, people will start to realize that because you're going to get desperately scared that, oh, my God, this is enough. Let's switch over to the guy who's reasonable, you know? And he's kind of doing the slow and steady. He's kind of betting on the, the fact race. that this thing blows up. Before right. The, but he's yeah. doing the slow and steady. Casual. Just be there for when it all hits the fan. When, and I don't know if that's going to be enough to get him through. Look, certainly I'm not voting for him. Yeah. Certainly. Um, I'll say this. He was out there actually having a town hall meeting, speaking to the public. I don't know how many of those people were. I, I don't want to call them plants, but right, it right. didn't seem like his crowd was going to ask him anything out of the realm of possibility. You never believe that someone like Hillary, though, or Trump will ever put no. themselves in a situation where they're actually taking questions. Real questions. From real questions no, from the people. Never, it's ever. never going to happen. Never. Trump, would, no, Trump, I could see where Trump would take real questions from, from his people. people. From the Trump mafia. From his yeah. people, but not regular people, yeah. Can I, I told you, and I talked about this last week in the episode, I talked on the Sunday Drive. I'm really pushing this, folks. Hashtag Trump mafia. I know Bill's mafia got a bad rap for being terrible fans, but the Trump the Trump people don't get any bad rap. Hashtag Trump mafia. I feel like, you, really, you don't feel like the Trump people get a bad rap? They need a hashtag. That's what, that's what the youth that's responds the to in today's society. We don't want the youth responding. There's enough idiots out there who support well, this maniac no, no, no. in the first place. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What, one of the things that uh, I want to bring back something Justin said. You were saying that in general you feel like this primary is not that important again. If you don't vote in this, you're not going to care one way or the other. That's basically no. what I'm implying from you. Yeah. I stand, because I've supported Bernie and I've openly talked about supporting Bernie, I would say that if you are a Bernie supporter, this primary is very important highly yeah. highly highly important if you actually support bernie right. good friend of the show kate riley was talking about this on a post last week that she's a registered independent she can't vote for bernie even if she wanted to or she couldn't vote for trump even if she wanted to she can't vote for anybody in the primary yeah. right. now when i registered to vote again i re-registered when i came back here i had the opportunity to jump off the democratic uh voting list which i'd been on since i first registered to vote I chose not to, even though I don't necessarily buy into the Democratic line, because I want my voice heard in this Hillary-Bernie argument. Mm -hmm. And in other primaries going forward, too. This yeah. won't be the last primary, you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually also want to bring up something that another good friend of the show, uh, John Howard from The Signal, yep. at We Are The Signal, I was reading his newsletter today, which if you haven't signed up for or subscribed for yet, go ahead and do it. It's excellent. He was talking, uh, basically the question in his article was, is voting cool again? The, the general basis for this is that if you take away the outlier year that Obama ran the first time and really captivated the youth vote and got the, mm. the 18 to 35 vote really high, the primaries so far have seen the largest turnout of the youth demographic of that 18 to 35 since 1992. It does point to the idea that the the younger generation is going to have a say in this election, whether it's Bernie or Trump. And if you go to Facebook, where I would assume you see a lot of the youth posting their information, those are the two names that seem to be getting brought up right. more often than not. Well, see, that's the thing to go back to the independent voter thing just briefly. It's it's the young people I feel like are so uh, disenchanted with, with the 
system is that they pick the independent just because they don't identify with one or the other and then if Bernie comes at, along and you're like, oh crap. You know? No, I think if you look at youth voting trends, youth voting and uh, youth voter turnout is always at an all-time high when you have two specific things. When you have an all-time high level of disillusionment, when disillusionment is very high, the kids tend to come out and vote. Mm-hmm. And also when you have a candidate that that is different in some way, shape, or form. Somebody that's different, somebody that's a candidate that becomes almost a meme to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You'll see people turn out for somebody who's different than just your average guy, like a John Kasich who doesn't differentiate himself right. from you know any other politician. When somebody's different, somebody's got a you know a little bit of a a different look or a different message or a different platform or a different way of speaking, people will come out for that. And when they're already disillusioned, like this person is not the same as mm-hmm. what's out here. I would like something to change. You just hope that for all the young people that you know, you can post on Facebook and you can retweet all you want. You just hope that all those people go out and vote because, you know, the fact of the matter is if all the young people came out and voted in all the elections, and again, you know, I always say it, but not just the presidential, right. but local elections, Congress elections, things like that, they would be one of the probably the largest voting bloc there is in the country. And we, our generation, would have a lot of sway if everybody cared as much as some people care and everybody actually went out and did it. Mm. You know, it's easy to hit a retweet button, but you actually got to go down to the polling place and you actually have to be registered and you actually have to get up and walk in there and... You know, if more people do that, then the voices will be heard. Yeah. You have to trust the process. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that you're realizing, back to this independent thing too, is that these are things you had to do back in October. Nobody's thinking about the New York primary in October, where Bernie's going to be in this race. So it's one of those things where if you're not up to date on the procedures, when you got to get your stuff in, how to change your, your location, whatever, mm. you end up in, and it's just not, a con- we don't discuss it enough, it just in, in mainstream type of things like, hey... Make sure you do this almost today, to you know? a purpose. It's yeah. not discussed, and kids aren't told how to vote. Right. Almost to a purpose. Well, let's uh, let's think about this for a second. Uh, Trump came to Rome. Yep. Uh, Kasich came to Mohawk Valley. Uh, Bernie came to Syracuse. Ted Cruz. Does he exist? I don't know. I've, I don't know if I've seen much of Ted Cruz lately. I feel like I don't know if it's he came like, to uh, New York. Parks and Rec politician. Remember that the guy? No. Oh, it's a sunny day or whatever he says. Like. Uh, um, when Ben goes and works for him, uh, I have no idea what you're guys. talking about. But he's like a robotic, robotic uh, guy uh, who just sits in his office no, no. and just stares I think at all day. That's what Ted Cruz does. We talked about this during the Kasich thing because, unlike the other professional news media, we were in the back joking around, yeah, and yeah, yeah. laughing, having a good time. But we talked about it uh, with Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz thought that the best way to get his election moving forward was to be more like Trump, to go directly at Trump and kind of buy into that. Yep. Angle, and I think it backfired for him. He, he really, he, he he doesn't have the force of personality that when Trump has. When did he has. do that? I just feel like in general he's had to. He's his big campaign has been like Trump's a piece of crap. I'm better yeah. than Trump. And I well, that's that's because his base is is very uh, strictly defined by evangelical. He's very yeah. very religious. He yeah. thinks that you know God should come before the United States. This and that. I think the reason you don't see him campaigning in New York is because it's a lost cause. We may have a lot of conservative people and a lot of, you know, yeah. you know, the gun people and the people living out in the country and the people who like Trump and the people who really think that we can feasibly build a wall. Well, that population is well represented in New York, certainly more well re- represented than I would like it to be. We don't have a lot of really, really dyed-in-the-wool evangelical super Christian folks right. here. No. And think so about there's no chance he wins New York, so he's probably spending his time right. somewhere where his time and money is more yeah. well spent. And not even on a, on a primary thing, too, as, as the election generally goes. 
Democrat for New York State as a as a whole too. So I mean, Generally, it's a lot of yeah. Right, but so, the primary is the primary yeah, has nothing to do yeah. with that though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, even if he got um, further, he's not going to take New York any any of these times. Do you have any know? thoughts on the fact that Hillary herself is not coming to New York and that she's sending Chelsea instead? Any thoughts on that? Do you, I, I feel like she doesn't need to come in a weird way. Well, she's it's not that she's not coming to New York. Yeah, she's she, not coming to here. Utica. Yeah. yeah. She's certainly been in New York and been She's doing plenty of things right in New now. York, She's, but like that's her stro- that's her primary that's, focus right now. Because yeah. that's where she needs to get her right. people. That's where she's going to move her people. If she gets the people, she's going to get them from there first and foremost. I was uh, see, I don't know. I don't like to make a political stand a ton. Like I like talking about it. I'll, I'm op- I don't I'm not a Hillary person. It's just I don't I'm not really for it. So mm. I'm I'm a little bit like uh, I'm kind of torn with Hillary. Actually. I just don't like her. I don't trust her. It's, it's it feels like it's the same old same old. But mm. anyways. For me, it was just more insulting. Like, here's my daughter. Like, I don't care what she says. She's there to push your agenda. Who is she, anyways? She have anything in power? Like, what's the point? Like, that's why we didn't go. First I don't want to hear from someone who's not in the race. I'm just gonna throw this out there. Chelsea is Bay. I'm just throwing that out there. She's that's my girl. She's a milf now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Chelsea is not swaying me to vote for Hillary not because at the end of the day, neither is Hillary. Though it puts me off even right. more though the that problem, she sends Hillary. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, I'm, here's where my here's where I'm torn. Okay. I've gotten so far to the Bernie Sanders side that if Bernie doesn't win, I'm going to have a hard time voting for Hillary, feeling how I feel about her, knowing that she's in the pocket of the big bangs. Bullshit, because you put her up there and you put her against Trump and there's two levers and you can either pull the lever for Donald Trump or for Hillary Clinton. All right. You're really going to have a tough time? Like you're no, really gonna in, vote that, for Trump? in that scenario, I'm not. But if you put her up there against John Kasich, who I thought was a reasonable conservative... I don't know the difference. I don't see the difference between those two people. Yeah. At least Kasich seems like a guy who's out there doing stuff. I don't buy Hillary. I'm, well, I just can't. I can't well, get this, behind it. This race is all jumbled because Bernie can beat Trump head-to-head if you look at numbers. Kasich can beat Hillary, Hillary if you look at the numbers. Hillary will lose to Trump if you look at it. So, like, when you do all these things, it's four moving pieces but only room for two. You know what I yeah. mean? So I don't know the what's reason, going to shape out. The reason that. that I will probably that I will end up leading to the Democrat, no matter who it is in the election, sure. is because the larger, in the larger scope, we're looking at. You know, we're right now in the middle of trying to. Obama's trying to get his nominee confirmed for the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. We've got realistically probably two more that are going to come in the next president's term. Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg says she's waiting to retire until the next election. It's you know she wants her to be a Democrat, whatever it is. And the Supreme Court is where we can't afford to have a guy like a Ted Cruz or a guy like, you know, Kasich, who seems like the sanest guy in the room, but part of it is because everybody else in his party is still a Mm. lunatic. A lot of the stuff he says, I still fundamentally disagree with. Mm. Oh, yeah. And you know what I mean? A lot of the stuff when it comes to, you know, if they want to go out there and re-debate, you know, Roe versus Wade or some different things like that, overturning different things, you know, he would still go out there and overturn Mm. the Obamacare, these different things. I still can't have a guy like that choosing Supreme Court justices. Mm. So as much as Hillary is a deal with the devil and she's the worst and she should probably be in jail, yeah. if it's her versus anybody in the Republican field, she probably still gets my vote. Mm. Yeah, at the end of the day, I feel like I would have to vote on the on the Democratic side just because yeah. I tend to fall on that line. I'm I would just feel not... I would feel dirty pulling that lever. Yeah, bro. no shit. I would real I'd feel real weird. Um, we went long on that, guys. Lots yeah. of talk about politics. Um, let's take a break then, and we'll go to this week's interview. Uh, I sat down with Brett Truitt. As I mentioned, he is the president and founder of the Soft Nose, Cor- uh, Soft Nose Corporation, uh, and he's also the man behind the NoDowntownHospital.com website. I had a nice conversation with him, uh, so let's let's go to that and hear what he has to say. We'll be back in just a minute.
listening. This first podcast you've ever done. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I've uh, listened to a few, and I know it's trending and it's cool. So one of the things we've talked about a lot when I first came to when I first came back, and we talk about it on the show all the time, but I always think it's fascinating. When I started working for Made in Utica and with Justin and all those guys, this was my pitch to these guys. They're like, "What do you want to do?" And I said, well, "I'd like to." I'd like to do a podcast around here. And it wasn't until we started getting a little bit of a following and people started reaching out to us that I mm-hmm. noticed a lot of people in this community aren't even aware of what a podcast is still. It's still a very new technique. Like my mom could not understand at all how to download it, how to listen to it. She's like, <laughs> so it's a strange world. But we are here actually uh, with Brett Truitt. We're here to speak to you today, not talk about us. We're here with Brett Truitt. You are the uh, the founder and president of the Soft Nose. Is that what it's called? Yep, Soft Nose. Yep. Uh, you also are the founder of the MVC, uh, the MVC Fund, uh, and you are the man behind the NoDowntownHospital.com website. Um, you're also the owner of five U.S. patents, which I found out today, which is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, none of them are, you know, top secret or, you know, yeah. technologies that's going to save the world, but mm. basically modern conveniences at the sure. time I thought they were, so, yeah. But a renaissance man in a certain <clears throat> way. I read through your biography. You've done a yeah. lot of stuff, man. You've had an interesting life. Um, and before we get into some of the stuff um, that I'm sure you'd like to talk about when we talk about the Seed Fund in downtown hospital, I do want to give people a little idea about you. Okay. Uh, here's a couple things I found out about you. Um and for all your readers out there, New York City and Long Island are not the same, but when we do talk about Long Island, you can still feel free to take a shot. We talk about New York City a lot. In this okay. Show. Uh, so you were born in Long Island, but you spent, uh, you spent, you spent your time in 12 different addresses before the age of 16. Is that what it says? I'm... Well, I've gone back and checked. <laughs> Cursory check. Yeah. But I believe by the time I was 16, I had 14 different physical addresses. Do you, uh, do you ever make your way back to Long Island at all? Or? Um, last summer, Michelle mm. and I, and mm. uh, yeah, just Michelle and I went to Fire Island. Oh, nice. nice. We were there for maybe 36 hours, mm. walked the downtown village, and then we went out to the beach, spent the night out on the Fire Island. Nice. It was pretty exceptional. Do you still have and, family um, out there? No, 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 not, not really. distant relatives, mm. I'm sure. Um, so you spent some time in New York, spent some time in New Jersey. You all spent some time in New Mexico as well? Yep. What was that like? My dad went to see a friend who was having a triple bypass. Mm. I think I was around 12. He called my mom and said, hey, I like it out here. We're moving. Mm. Yeah. So we were in southern New Jersey at the time. And Jersey to New Mexico is a tough Yeah, a so tough we move. went out to New, the mountains of New Mexico. We were about 8,000 square, 8,000 um, feet. We were 20 miles south of the Colorado border in central New mm. Mexico central northern New Mexico, and it was great. Yeah. Now, I want to make sure I have the timeline. This was before you went to Morrisville? Um, well, actually, before and after. Before and after, okay. <laughs> So I went to Morrisville Elementary School, mm-hmm. and I went to a couple other schools around Morrisville when sure. I was young. Casanova, Eaton. Lovely area. Different places, whether it's schools or where I lived. So mm-hmm. moved. that's the time when I was moving around quite a bit. Um, my mom and dad had eight kids. Mm-hmm. I was one of them, and, you know, Essentially, each time we moved, we kind of dropped off a child because they were teenagers and they were staying with their friends or something or young adults. But, um, yeah, so then we went to New Mexico. I think I was maybe 10 or 12, was in the mountains for, you know, mm. two years. I mm. milked goats before I went to school. I tilled <laughs> the garden, raised pigs, chickens, rabbits. See, these are concepts that I find fascinating that because uh, – don't take this the wrong way. You're no, not as old no, as my grandfather. Yeah. My grandfather tells, well, thank me, you. He, he tells me a lot of similar stories like this, <laughs> right. and all I think to myself is, like, you couldn't even pretend to, like, push this on some kid today. Like, honey, we're going to school, but before you go to school, can you go out back to the garden and pick a whole bushel full of beans? 
screw you, Dad. That's pretty much what they would tell you nowadays. But like, that wasn't an option in my house. No, it wasn't an option. No, no. But, I mean, but yeah, it was interesting. But it's funny to me the the changeover in the way society works, just from location and even just the last fifteen twenty right. years, the way things yeah. have changed, the way technology's changed everything. We talk about that a lot in the show. Um, right. But I, I, want, I don't want to get too far off okay, on the topic. Fine. I don't yep, want to get. Uh, one of the stories I found fascinating about uh, your time, you spent some time at Morrisville College, which I don't think, it, I don't know if it was a SUNY college back then. or if It was SUNY, it was, but it was called SUNY, Morris, SUNY Morrisville. It was an ag- agricultural mm-hmm. and technical college. What were you studying at Morrisville? I started out in engineering science, mm-hmm. but I couldn't handle the three calculus-based classes because I was independent. And sure. I really didn't like going to breakfast and lunch with that little pocket calculator yeah. and talking calculus mm-hmm. and chemistry. So I ended up, um, changing um, degrees in the second year, I went into mechanical engineering technology. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't like it at first, but it really was something more hands-on, more um, real-world mm-hmm. engineering technology type stuff. So it worked out really well. Now, uh, one of the fascinating things that I saw when I was reading your article here uh, was that you paid for portions of your time there by building loft beds for other students. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's... and that's kind of a quirky name, lofts, <laughs> beds, but they're basically little A-frame bunk beds. Or... Yeah. Yeah, so the beds are up off the floor. Oh, I, I spent and, some time in Brooklyn. Okay. I, I had a loft bed. I'm, okay. <laughs> I know what that's like. Yeah, but so actually... That's a, great, that's a great idea, though. I never thought about, like, that's a great concept to make extra money, like... If yeah. you know how to do it. Well, actually, I don't know if it was extra money. I sure. think it was basically money to money. pay for school. <laughs> but, I, it, yeah, it was it was interesting. It, one of the things that I learned from that, actually, one of the things that probably set me up for disappointment was I walked into the bank, and I'm probably 18 or 19. My sister knew a, a banker down in mm-hmm. Oneida, the city of, mm-hmm. city of Oneida. And so I went down there, and I said, oh, my sister knows you, um, and I was I need a loan. And he's like, oh, Brett, it's like 4.30. They're going to close the safe. How much did you need? And I said, I, I need 2000 or maybe it was 1000 or $2,000. Yeah. It was for lumber, wood, and yeah. stuff. Brett, they're closing the safe. How much do you How need? How much do you need? <laughs> so I always thought, wow, go to the bank. If you're going to start a business or you need money, just go to the bank. Then when you go to start a business, mm. that is usually not, that's definitely something you'll never hear. No. That'll say, how much are you worth? We'll give you <laughs> half of that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I, I'm always terrified by the concept of going to the bank and asking for money because I know they're just going to laugh at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like banks. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no. Shout out to all the banks. I, I have no knock against banks. I'm just saying I'm terrified of the kind con- I've thought about a couple of times like maybe I should go take a loan okay. out for this I'm, I'm almost afraid to know what they're going to say to me okay. I'm like well call me I'm happy to help you <laughs> well, I appreciate that <laughs> um, let's talk about SUNY IT you also spent some time at SUNY IT uh, this was yep. post your time at Morrisville what were you yep. what were you doing at SUNY IT so I went to Morrisville College graduated there and I applied to go to college in California because you want to get away mm-hmm. um, I wrecked my car so my transportation option mm. wasn't there two weeks before graduation at Morrisville College college so i actually yeah that's true and then um i came to suny for their robotics program and at that point suny was down and spread out around downtown utica yeah so there was where the insight house is over by the odd and autolicious that was the potter school across the street from the brewery in the old mill buildings were classrooms where brodock presses those were classrooms and so i actually Bumped around downtown mm. Utica. My home was the Hotel Utica, which at that wow. time was the Hunter House, yeah. and it was like a yeah. place for people who had mental problems. But the 10th floor was reserved for college students. Yeah. So that was my introduction to Utica. Mm. And 
all I knew of Utica was I think I went there to get my driver's test, and then W O U R at the time was the drug station. Yeah. So if you were listening, <laughs> if you lived in Morrisville and were listening to O U R, people were suspicious. That's fair. <laughs> so that was my first thought of Utica, and then when I came and I went to school and I was bouncing around downtown Utica, I don't know. I came to enjoy the place. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the Soft Nose Company that you were the founder and president of, this yep. was 91 that you started this? Was this post? This was. I'm trying to put the years yep. together. This so um, when I was at Morrisville, I started inventing things, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then when I was at SUNY, I was still tinkering and inventing. And then I graduated, or actually I didn't graduate from SUNY IT. That's another story we can fill in. <laughs> but I actually... Um, was kind of jonesing to get into business or do something sure. when I was still going to school. I was a little bored. So um, at some point, oh, so then just before graduation at SUNY IT, which had various names, I got a job in Frankfurt at a yeah. shovel and rake company. Mm. And that's when I came up with this idea for softness, was essentially a, is a spring-loaded mount mm-hmm. that you put on a device that senses things in a factory, mm. and if that sensor gets bumped into, mm. the soft nose allows it to move out of the way. Mm. Kind of like the end of a ballpoint pen, how you sure. can click it, so that the, huh. that ballpoint mm. pen top would be like the sensor, and it just moves out of the way. So that was a long startup. I mean, mm. yeah, I'm always fascinated when I talk to people, and they tell me so many stories about their life, and I'm like, how'd you do all that? And now you're saying this about me, and I'm like... Wow, this <laughs> well, is weird. <laughs> no, it's, it's true, though. Um, one of the things I noticed mostly about when I read when I read your article, yeah. you have a, there's a great write up on the website you guys have about okay. you about yourself and your whole uh, your whole life and career. Um, the soft nose thing is fascinating. I'm curious though if the MBC fund that you are also a big partner of is yeah. directly resulting from that. Now, no, so, so yeah, the timeline is actually a little. Maybe yeah. I need to go back and look at some of that. The MBC, the MVC fund is yeah. basically in the conceptual stage right Mm -hmm. now where we've got a few people we're gathering together that Mm -hmm. are going to put in somewhere between some $20,000, $50,000 per investor. We'll pool that money. We're going to hopefully come up with 1.5 million. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go out there and look for startups to invest in. So we're really in the beginning stages of that. I guess that's kind of what I mean. Like the soft nose things was a startup for you. Does it it draw interest in you to help other people set up startups and get their businesses going? Was it something that's interested you for a long time, or did this just Um, sort of happen naturally? Yeah, no, actually, so as I'm starting Softnose and going through the struggles Mm. of a startup, Mm. um, I would bump into people doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. and we had common problems. You know, we're like technicians, and all we want to do is make great products, and it's like, wow, I wish there was a CEO that could Mm. guide us so I don't have to do HR and finance and all that, so... It seemed to me that you know if we could somehow get a CEO that could help these companies mm. manage their technicians, sure. you know, it would be a, a good idea. So I was thinking of or in the early days how to how do you nurture these companies? Mm. So that was before this whole craze of incubators and, mm. and um, different types of startup venues. Mm. So that was kind of a personal interest, but I never thought that I was. I never really said, "Wow." Well, I guess I did. I guess mm. I thought, "Well, if I could become successful, mm. then maybe I could help some other companies start." But I mean, when you're basically starving to death trying to, you know, get yeah. your product, you're not. You shouldn't probably be thinking about helping other people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, where can people go to learn more about Seed Fund? Okay, so um, maybe putting a little bit more into marketing. Mm. I set up a website. It's not great, but there is actually a website. Mm. So if you Google or use Yahoo, whatever, and do a search for Utica, Rome, Mohawk Valley, mm. Seed Fund, it should pop up. Mm. But it's mvseedfund.com. Yeah, and I found you on Twitter. I believe it was at mvseedfund on Twitter as well. Yeah, so I've yeah. been trying to use 
social media a little mm. bit and there's a few projects I have my fingers in a lot of things and I'm kind of nurturing them away uh, along mostly independently you know because mm. I've kind of fortunately very fortunately have a team that helps soft nose run yeah and so I'm able to you know work on a building start a couple more ventures mm. and uh hopefully inform people about the hospital <laughs> uh well let's get into that because that is the uh that is one of the reasons we're here to talk to you today um on this show before in the past, we've um, I know we've been somewhat pro downtown hospital, but uh, I'm not here to argue our point of the show because you've been very adamant against the downtown hospital. I've seen the hashtag no downtown hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, you built the website no downtown and I'd like to hear uh, a little. I've read some of it, but for our sure. listeners, I'd like to hear uh, some of your points for why you feel the downtown hospital is a bad idea. Okay, well, just to start. Um... So, yeah, no hospital downtown. Yes, sorry. Sounds negative, right? Um, so we're not negative mm. on downtown. I, hopefully most people that know me mm. would say, wow, that's really strange. Right, well, of course. You and your wife do great work for Bag Square yeah. all the time. You guys yeah. have been a big part of the city. I don't think anyone... I think sometimes right. it's easy on social media for people to say, oh, this guy's being negative. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but. So I guess if somebody wanted to spend a half a billion dollars in downtown Utica and then there's a guy like me saying no, mm-hmm. obviously I must be negative. <laughs> so, but I think, I think I have to let people know that I've, well, Soft Nose is 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And when I lived in the Hunter House, it was 1986. So I've been downtown Utica quite a while. Um, so I've seen a lot take place. Mm-hmm. And I can say unequivocally the last three years in Utica Mm. are probably the best times that I've witnessed Mm. so I think what's happening in downtown Utica with Utica Roasters and Mm. Blake Bakery on and on don't want to leave anyone out but I've seen other cafes since then Adirondack Coffee Mm. set up on Genesee Street it went for a couple years I think then it moved to Clinton we had the Crystal Mountain Cafe. Yeah. We have a lot of things. So these things have been happening for a while. Yeah. But now I think we've got some critical mass. Mm-hmm. And I think that came about... One of the persons that started teaching me about downtown Utica was Lynn Michelini. Utica oh, Monday Nights, which is uh, kind of on the back burner, but she's still out there doing she's things. fascinating. And fascinating she gets it. She knows it. She's the one who encouraged me probably to stop and look around at buildings because I went to a couple of properties mm-hmm. she owned. Virgo Bat, Leo Frog was the prior tram. Oh, I, uh, I, I we actually played there when <laughs> okay. I was younger. And I maybe I, saw you guys there. Cause... Um, I was lucky enough to uh, to host that panel of Utica discussion they did at MV a couple months back, and uh, Lynn was a guest yeah, on the show. Okay. We actually I talked caught a, part of that, I think. And I... we talked a lot about how, at least for me as a, as a former musician, it was sad to see a lot of these venues go because I was a young, original musician, <clears> and these places gave us a forum where we could go play and we didn't get paid for it but they right. didn't charge us to play they said yeah no. sure come come play your no. music and be original and do your creative thing and now that the opportunity for that with young musicians is yeah. gone it's not there anymore so. yeah well i drop into the tram at least mm. five times a mm. week yeah. i i always on sunday nights if i go to open mic mm. night um you know mm. Usually blown away and saying, wow, yeah. this is really awesome. Yeah. I was in Off Center Records two days ago, yeah. and I bought the Mohawk Valley Tribute CD. I mm. think it's the third or fourth one. Mm. Um, it's got some great original music. I think mm. Ryan Miller's on there with No Pretty Girls on Genesee Street. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. So that yeah. cool stuff has been happening yeah. for, I think, nonstop, even mm. after downtown had its big fall yeah. when people went out to the malls and stuff like that. Yeah. But So I think there's some people that are saying, 
wow, downtown's, you know, still kind of beat up and we need something really awesome. Hmm. And I would like to say, actually, I don't have enough time. On yeah. a Friday night, I can stop, you know, my trying to educate people yeah. about the hospital. Hmm. I'll stop to the tram. I will go to the new coffee shop. Hmm. I, I've had some success. I'm a member of the Fort Schuyler Cubs. Yeah. So I could stop in there at the bar. Yeah. Um, I have a really good life. I'm very fortunate. And I think there's plenty to do in mm. downtown Utica. And I think if we have a chance to double that activity, right. keep the old buildings, get more of these cool mm. cafes and lofts and small business, it's better than a medical district. And, mm. and that's my belief. Mm. And I got a call from a dear friend who I hadn't heard from in a while. Mm. He was a Jim Brock, you know. Some he's divisive. He could be very divisive, 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 divisive. <laughs> yeah. very divisive. Yeah, I have trouble with English. Those, As I do, it's fine. Those, uh, that's, four, that's how I ended up on a show six, talking those, all the those time. Those fourteen addresses. I mean, I really, I really have a, a, a challenged educational start. But um, so Jim called me. I sat on the board of the Mohawk Valley Chamber of Commerce for at mm. least three years, so I learned how boards worked. And Jim was the guy who got us to stop eating lunch. And look at issues, whether it was not on their radar and it needed to be on their radar. He would say, well, we should come out. We should pass a resolution. We should make a statement. He goes, I don't care what the statement is, really, but we can't be silent on these things. So he was always someone I just admired for taking the high road, speaking eloquently. And um, so he called, I guess, last August and said, Brett, I need help on Facebook. And I wasn't really very active on Facebook. I had maybe 30 friends that yeah. were immediate, immediate, or no, they were immediate family or people that stood up with Michelle and I in the wedding party. Mm. So I maybe had 30 people. Mm. And then as soon as I began to assist Jim with his hashtag no hospital downtown, <clears throat> I started friending everyone. So mm. my apologies to all my friends that mm. I just ought to set, automatically started liking. But um, I think the cause is admirable and... Yeah. That's where I am. The only question I've had, and um, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, uh, yeah. I do think that there is an issue in terms... There's already an issue in terms of walkability downtown, sure. right? Like, for as much as I like to go over to Bite, yep. if I go over to Bite and get something to eat, I'm probably parking three blocks away. There's really nowhere to park, and it's yep. not necessarily... That's not a huge problem. I spend a lot of time in New York City. I walk a okay, lot yep. of places. <clears throat> but it, it's kind of funny that even on a not necessarily a busy day... I'm mm -hmm. still searching for parking. I yeah. can't imagine that a construction project would make that any easier. But the other thing I had, I was curious, a lot of those buildings in that area, and I was specifically Columbia Street, Lafayette yeah. Street, a lot of those buildings are in terrible shape. And I don't right. I don't necessarily see a scenario where anyone's going to look at this building. Because me and Kevin have talked about this, Kevin, yeah. the, the host of the show, yep. driven down this street many yeah. times, and you think to myself, what potential business could you put in this location mm -hmm. that would draw people here yes. and change the function of this location. Yeah. I do sort of see a scenario where I'm like, you could get rid of this entire this entire mess of dilapidated yeah, buildings yeah. all at once. I don't I'm sure it's not as simple as it seems in my head that yeah. way. But that's just always how I've seen it and we've talked about it in the yeah. show. Um, I don't know if that's something you guys have thought about talking yeah. about. I don't know. But um, well I've tried to think about it from many mm, different angles. Yeah. I've sat with numerous people and I'm hoping to engage more people, pro and con, and have mm. conversations because I think we can learn from each other. Sure. That's a valid point. Mm. How are you going to turn this area around? Um, but if you look at the, it's the former Utica Paint Company, mm -hmm. um, your store, yeah. um, and then the RICL building. Those are three major mm. buildings, very similar to the building that now houses Bag Square Cafe. Yeah. 
which sat for many, many years. Mm -hmm. I was in a meeting with Ed Hanna once when yeah. I was really optimistic, and I wanted to buy that building. Yeah. I have a folder that's probably four or five inches thick somewhere in my building downtown where I was doing research. Yeah. Instead of growing soft nose, I would, or going out mm. at night listening to bands, <laughs> I was sitting there either inventing or dreaming about how I could bring, at that point, it was called the Fershings Building. Mm. And I was in there at an earlier time, but I really thought I could make an impact on that building. So people do come along. And I think if we set the right tone and we had the right um, game plan, you could find people to fill these buildings. And um, I guess we're all feeling very confident that nanotech is coming, GE and ASM. So those are going to give us even a greater economy, more population. Sure. So we should be able to set up more buildings like the cobblestone building bag square cafe so i really don't <clears throat> i'm not daunted by how are we going to fill these buildings up even the worst building i know the i think i know the worst building because there's if you look at it through google you can see the roof is missing <laughs> i mean i think if, if a motivated person wanted to yeah. they could even fix yeah. that there's one over by where the irish um museum cultural right, center is right, going right, to be right, and yeah. that roof is collapsing you can yeah. see it from the i mean if you want to <clears throat> you could fix these buildings if you want to if you have the motivation mm. and if we're prepared to spend untold billions mm. to create a new hospital not that you can say saving a building is like saving a life it's not but you could theoretically mm. take a portion of those monies and fix those buildings up. And just because there's an empty lot that's got broken stone in it, mm -hmm. what if you put a dog park there? Mm -hmm. What if you just put a park there and made more green space? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot you can do in that area. And yes, yeah, some of it looks a little seedy, but mm -hmm. I think some of it's on purpose to yeah. try to build the story that we need to mm -hmm. to fix Utica. And um, yeah, so it's a battle. Well, uh, Brett, the website is nodowntownhospital.com. Uh, people yep. can also follow you on Twitter at, at Brett Truett, T-R-U-E-T-T. -T. Yep. All right. And uh, and the Seed Fund as well, MV Seed Fund at yep. Twitter, and you have the website as well. Uh, Brett, I want to thank you for spending time with us. I know we've already gone no, over what very I, cool. <laughs> I appreciate. I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure, and uh, we'll be back with the show in just a moment. As I mentioned, if you're interested, you can go to NoDowntownHospital.com. He's also on Twitter at Brett Truitt, two T's in the first name and the last name. Hmm. I, I like that his Twitter has three T's in a row. B-R-E-T-T-T. R-U-E-T-T. -T -T. A lot of T's. He's like Jeff Jarrett. That's <laughs> um, a uh, fascinating trivia question. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so let's, um, let's move on to some other stories that aren't about politics. Uh, this is one... I've been seeing a lot of talk about this. I don't know if this is an official story as of yet, uh, but we've been hearing a lot about it. Um, how many uh, of you guys, are you guys familiar with the Utica Brewers? Heard of them. Yes. Yeah. Utica Brewers play uh, for the Perfect Game Collegiate Baseball League. I wish I could tell you what level of baseball PGCBL. The PGCBL. Okay, so let's start here. The Utica Brewers are changing their name 
to the Utica Blue Sox. Um, if there's anyone under the age of 25, 20, who doesn't, who's not aware of the Utica Blue Sox, Utica Blue Sox were a single A affiliate of the Boston Red Sox, Toronto Blue Jays, um, Florida Marlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually the bat boy for the Utica Blue Sox when I was 13, not too long before they folded uh, when they were under the Marlins management. Uh, in terms of any famous players who played for the Blue Sox, I can only think of two. Uh, Larry Walker, uh, former Colorado Rocky, and former shortstop who was really good in Utica and then sort of failed on the pros. Josh Wilson played shortstop yeah. for the Blue Sox. Yeah, he went off to the, the Pirates, I think he played. Yeah, Pirates. Hit. Yep. Yeah. And the yeah. Mariners. Adrian Gonzalez. No, no. Um, Miguel, Cab- oh, Miguel yeah, Cabrera maybe. was there for like a cup of coffee yeah, and yeah. then left. Anyhow, Utica Blue Sox was a kind of a big deal at the time. It was a little bit underappreciated. It was a fun night out. They played at Donovan Stadium. Yeah, which uh, when I worked there, I had learned that it is one of the worst stadiums to play in for opposing players. The field itself is arched in center field. It gets waterlogged. It's not in phenomenal upkeep in terms of actual stadiums. Makes sense. Um, anyhow, point of the story is the Utica Brewers are changing their name to the Utica Blue Sox. Um, Breaking news. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about this. What do you guys think about this? Is this or is this not a good move for the Utica Brewers? I can, I can, I know where the arguments are going to be, but to get mm. out in front of them, I don't see any way where this is a negative move. I don't think it's a bad move. Mm. I don't think this move is going to save them. I don't think the stands are going to be overflowing with people out of nostalgia, but I don't see why it's a bad yeah, move. It's a right step. Selfishly, to like more a, people in the seats. Selfishly, if somebody remembers a little kid, I think it's pretty cool. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Well, we're doing some stuff with them on the passport this year, um, so you'll have the opportunity to do a buy one get one admission to a game. So we highly recommend just use your passport and go check it out with the new uniforms. And it's a lot. Like it's a lot like you know, like maybe going to a UC hockey game. It's cheap. It's got like two dollar beers. Probably yeah. you can go hang out if you like baseball enough to go. Definitely worth going to watch on a Tuesday night or something. Yeah. But here's my problem. Okay. Here's I think that this is a fine idea. I like the idea. And believe me, I will presumably go buy a Utica Blue Sox hat because I've been waiting to find one for years. They don't sell them on the internet anymore. It's hard to find them. They're collector's items. I think if you go on Instagram on Throwback Vintage, I think you'll <laughs> Throwback find Throwback Vintage, one. yeah. Um, here's my problem. When... Do you remember the Utica Devils, anyone? Yeah. All yes. right, Utica Devils were the AAA Utica hockey team that existed before the Comets. After the Devils left, we had a plethora of hockey teams that came into the odd and failed miserably. Utica Bulldogs, uh, Mohawk Valley Prowlers, uh, Utica Blizzard. There were a lot of teams that didn't make it. Why didn't those teams make it? Because they did not have the AHL license and no one wanted to watch subpar hockey at the time. They were a terrible game to watch. They were amateur teams. Amateur teams. I think that this is a misguided change, right? The Utica Brewers changed the name of the Blue Sox. Yes, you'll get initial investment upkeep. You get a little bit of bump in promotion. People will come in. At the end of the day, what people did... The, reason, the Blue Sox were hard to watch. They're a single-A baseball team. They're right, not great. Right. This is not going to change the quality of the game itself. Unless you enjoy watching them play already, this is not going to assist me liking them any better. Maybe I'm biased against baseball. But you're not you're not wrong about that, but why? So why would you not do it? Would you just keep things the same? I think the Brewers it? is a phenomenal name. I don't know why they're changing it. The Utica Brewers makes sense. We make beer here. We sure have do. a brewery. Come see why us. Why not just promote the Brewers and give them a little extra boost? It doesn't we don't need to go back to calling the Blue Sox just for nostalgic value? It's not going to change anything. The reason the Comets work in Utica is because it's quality hockey that people actually want yeah. to watch. Well, think about it quick, what you just said, though. 
Throwback vintage. Um, with, with their stuff. What is that? That is throwback vintage stuff. It's in. People like it. The comets are a playback on what was already there. Yeah. The nostalgia <laughs> people had for Utica area and what was, though, was very high in pride. Yeah. It's a nice PR boost. You can't them. magically make the Brewers a professional team, so you got to make your money where you can get it. And if this Blue Sox thing helps you make some money, they probably take the money in the short term as opposed to promoting inferior product and wanting people to try to care. But people don't like the Blue Sox, uh, sorry, the Comets because they're nostalgic. They like the Comets because they're good right. Right. and they're new and they're exciting and they play real hockey with players people know. Mm-hmm. Sure. Do you know I mean the Bulldogs and the Prowlers and the Blizzard were all fine-looking teams? They all looked great. It was nice to have hockey in there. It didn't last because people did not stay interested. I just don't think that changing the name from Brewers to Blue Sox keeps people interested after they continue to they watch a couple games and go, oh, it's still the perfect game collegiate baseball league and not triple A, double A, single A. Doesn't it, I don't I don't know. I don't sure, feel- but I but of course, but like if you're the people who are in charge of the team. Mm-hmm. You ought to do something as opposed to nothing. Sure, sure. Maybe it's a good PR move for them. I just, I don't, I don't see where this is. Deep rooted issues with the. Blue I do, Sox. I do have deep rooted issues with Did the. They fire Sox, you so. as a bad boy. Was it that time you slipped in front of the crowd, just like pissed you off so bad? And just <laughs> I can tell you that story. Uh, so I was working for the Blue Sox. I was, I was probably. 13, 14, 15. I was pretty young. It was it was at the time when you couldn't really get a real job anywhere. So it was like a summer gig. And what was nice about it was I lived lived on Valentine Bray growing up, so I mm. could pretty much walk to the stadium. And mind you, those are the things that I wish were still around. And maybe this will help in this way. When you were a kid, going to see a Blue Sox game was more about being out at the ballpark, right? Like I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time as the Blue Sox game just hanging out at the concession stand and goofing around with my yeah. buddies in the park and and carousing with women you know, when I was younger, <laughs> trying to, like, meet girls. Like, there was, it was an event. It was a social event. went yeah. out. Um, you know, and I was sad when the Blue Sox left. But uh, <laughs> the point I was saying was I, was, I was a bat boy for the Blue Sox. I remember I was walking out to home plate as a bat boy, for those of you who don't know how baseball works. My job is to collect all the players' garbage after they swing and miss or swing and hit. So when some nerd hits a single and throws his bat, and his batting glove and his uh, pine tower behind him. Yeah. I gotta be the guy who goes and picks it up. So I remember I was uh, I was staring at a girl and she was about seven rows back from home plate. And I was just like the whole night I'm like this girl is sexy. Bat boy Sam's got to find some way to to reach out to this girl, razzle, right? Razzle, yeah. So I'm walking out to home field uh, to home plate. This girl's probably up. twenty. You're like yeah, 13. You're 20, like, yeah. I'm yeah. Saying, being the bat boy for the Blue Sox wasn't enough to get any woman no. you wanted. <laughs> well, I did look really good since they gave me the full uniform, which didn't really fit. It was like a huge billowy Florida Marlins home uniform, which is very sexy for anyone who's ever seen a Florida Marlins uniform. Um, so I went up to home plate. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I went up to home plate, and I looked up at this girl, and I was just like looking at her, and she looked at me, and I was like, hey, waving at her. And I immediately stepped on the bat and fell on my ass, um, and then the stands chanted, bad boy, bad. Well, I had to play it off. I had to stand up. I had to tip my cap. I waved. I, this uh, makes so much more sense, though, is why you're, no so, you're so mad. about this. You're, no you wonder have, you're so mad. Well, you buried these things in your old... Sports box. Listen, I man, I had a, <laughs> I had a, all your other sports I had a batting helmet thrown at me by the equipment manager. I had a rough time there. It was not great. <laughs> I was the last guy there sweeping up sunflower seeds out of the dugout at 9.30 when my dad's like, hey, you done? I want to go home. Uh, so, I don't know, whatever. Back I, when I, you used I, to be able to put dip in your lip and everything. Doing the Blue Sox are the only, are one of the reasons I'm friends with uh, K-Rock's Rain Man. Yeah. I gave him a foul ball to give to his, his kid. Uh, he returned the favor by letting me, quote-unquote, win Green Day tickets on the radio. Um, 
to which I had to give them away because my mom would not let me at 15 years old go unaccompanied to a Green Day concert. She did not want to come with me. Um, I Look. You got all these problems tied to the Blue Sox. I do. No Green Day ticket falling down. Like I think the Blue Sox were a great thing for the city when it was here. I don't know if a name change captures that same magic in the public or in this area. Do I think it's a good idea from a PR standpoint? Yes, Kevin, I agree with you. If you are the Utica Brewers and you want to build up PR, this is a good move. I just don't know what what the long-standing positives of this name change are. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. What's the worst that could happen? You go back to the Brewers? <laughs> yeah, you go back to the Brewers, I guess. Yeah, yeah I don't think anybody's agreeing this is going to be some sort of like magic elixir for... Yeah. Yeah, I, listen, I, I hope they do well. they got a good operation going on, but you know... They still face all the same hurdles yeah. today that they faced yesterday, no matter what yeah. they call themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, I think it's a grander scale on baseball just in general. I mean, you go to a hockey game and you watch the excitement, AHL or not, it's fast, it's hitting, like, it's aggressive, people, it's, well, it's that, quick, it keeps the pace. That speaks baseball to the larger issue well. that people don't generally seem to like baseball, maybe right. as much as they used to. Yeah, it's just because the game itself needs to probably catch up, so. I'm actually going to play a game with you guys. Um, <clears throat> this is actually something I stole from a different podcast, but I think it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about. So let's say that you are the new president of sports. I'm okay. gonna give you. I like that I'm gonna give both of you guys uh, a major sports league, and you tell me the first change you would implement in each league. Okay? Kevin's gonna be the vice president, so he'll go first, and then I'll see if I agree. Overall. All right. So let's start with the uh, the NBA. If you could change one thing to fix the NBA, what would it be? Um. Oh man, I don't. Uh, I feel very unprepared. I have a lot of ideas. But if I had to make one thing to change to fix the NBA, I'd probably I'd let him go for a minute. Yeah, I have no idea. D-League. I, D-League. Think I was trying to symbol to you at the D League. Mm. The D League, yeah, they gotta have a minor league ish uh, team mm. for every like some teams share D League mm. teams and then relegation like, to the D League. Relegation to the D League. Relegation in all sports is probably the answer to that. Let's do a soccer style. But the D League, I think you can build up. There's a lot of guys leaving early from the. College who don't quite make the pros, they mm. end up overseas. I think if you built up a core D league, Bill Simmons had a really good idea a couple years ago where he wanted to do. Um, he had some name for it, but basically it was a tournament to decide the eighth seed in each conference, mm. and it was really well thought out and put together. And I like that quite a bit. Mm. But also the D league could be made into a more interesting developmental facet yeah. of the game. I would also eliminate East and West and and an NBA and just. It's the NBA, and it's so easy to travel. There, there's back to backs and two days off. So, th- like being in the West doesn't really make a difference. Take the best sixteen teams. Speaking of traveling, there's one for you. Either call traveling or don't call yeah. traveling. Pick one or the other. I know it's not really a rule anymore, but if it's not going to be a rule, we should just get rid of it and stop talking about well, it. Well, also if we can reference Stan Van Gundy from last night. Let's call oh, yeah. some fouls. Let's call fouls on the superstars. Yeah, this is all right. So let's move to the NHL then. If you had one change for the NHL, what do you think it would be? Stop being hockey. Ooh. Just make it all playoffs. Um, that's all that people care about. Just a whole season of playoffs. You know what it is for me too. Stop putting teams in San Jose and Phoenix and uh, North Carolina and that'll Florida. never happen. Yeah, I truly just, you I, lose that. I don't watch enough NHL to know what they need to change, but. People seem to love the playoffs. Maybe they have too much bloat, too many teams, too many games. I don't know yeah, what it is. It's all of it. It's all of it. The playoffs take like as long as the regular season. Yeah, I couldn't really say. Mm. Yeah. Um, what they they need to work on some cap stuff too is because what the NHL is not able to do right now either is build up dynasties, and that's kind of what they need. They need a team that just either everybody loves or hates. 
and the way the cap works, it's just not super flexible. A lot of bad contracts yeah. in the NHL. Just it's not a Maybe. good system right now. That labor agreement messed a lot of their stuff up. Maybe it's because I don't watch as much NHL, but I do feel like oh, your phone's going off in the middle of the podcast. It wasn't mine. How was your phone not on silent while podcasting? It's an alarm. Uh, anyhow, um, for the NHL, for me, I feel like. I feel like there was a period of time, maybe five, seven years ago, where they were producing a lot of big-time stars. Your Alexander Ovechkins, mm-hmm. your whatever. I don't know anyone else. I can't think of Crosby, anyone. Crosby. Crosby. I don't feel like there are superstars in hockey the way that there are in other sports, baseball. Um, Let's you know. be young. They need Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux. They, yeah, they, they need maybe a superstar. A superstar and then yeah. in even deeper, they need them on a team that's winning five in a row. That'd be the thing that would get hockey. Just a super uh, uh, a, a superstar with crossover appeal. Yeah, yeah. Crossover because appeal. you could like those dudes you name the dudes you just said like Ovechkin, Crosby. I know just from like watching Sports Center, these are the big dudes in yeah. hockey. Mm. But as not really a hockey guy, yeah. they still don't matter to we me. We know mm-hmm. even deeper. You know what I mean? Crosby's Canadian. Um, Ovechkin's Russian. Yeah, Patrick Kane. Who will be hanging on here? Yeah, Ryan Miller. Yeah, Ryan no, Miller, not yeah. the not our, Yeah, mm-hmm. not the Thinkubator's Ryan Miller. Yeah. America's Ryan Miller. No, Ryan at the Thinkubator would probably stop more yeah. shots than Ryan Miller. In the um, so let's move on to a different sport. Uh, the NFL. It's the biggest sport in America, and you want to change? Change a lot of stuff about the NFL. Mm. Um, I would make the. I would stop having them go to a commercial or stop and play every ten <sighs> seconds. Uh, it's really, really yeah. slow and just goes on forever, and like the game stops like every three seconds. Um, I would, I don't know if I would necessarily shrink down. I think I think they play a little bit too much, which is crazy because you think they play once a week, but like the Thursday games for a lot of yeah, these teams yeah. seems like a bad idea because teams get tired and overexposed mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But number one, just just hurry the game up. It's yeah. so, it's everybody talks about. It. I love the NFL. It's so exciting. Like when guys make big plays, it's wicked exciting. But for most of the time, it's just stop, stop, stoppage, stop, and mm-hmm. it takes forever yeah. to go. Well, what I, I what I don't like, I think um, the pass interference rules really bother me. Just the change in rules, but also that if you commit a defensive pass interference penalty, it's the spot of the foul. But if mm-hmm. the offensive guy shoves you out of the way fifty yards downfield, he's mm-hmm. only getting a fifteen yard penalty or ten yard penalty or something like mm-hmm. that. Plus the touching in the five yards, the automatic mm-hmm. first downs on a five yard penalty, like that's ridiculous. That's five yards and an automatic first down. That's well, like a, you can. I that, think that's a foul every what, play. You could probably what you're, call. What you're hitting on is a problem that I've noticed with people who are new to football or don't watch as much football. Football has a ton of rules that are not necessarily explained or obvious mm. to a casual observer. It's not. My, yeah. What's if, a catch? We're yeah. If, if my yeah, like what's a catch? Yeah. yeah. Like if my mom watched a football game, she'd have no clue what was happening. Mm. She'd watch a baseball game, sort of understand it, but football is like foreign to her. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a way to make the rules. Of football a little easier. You know what you could also, do? also, can I? And I just want to say this: people, I, I'm very anti NFL. I'm a big soccer guy. Um, less pads, man. One of the reasons, and I swear to God, I swear to God, one of the reasons we have so many, there's so many concussions in the NFL is that over the years, they added more and more pads, more shoulder pads, bigger helmets, shoulder uh, th- yeah. uh, thigh pads, whatever. The more pads you have, the less inclined you feel to say, oh, I'm going to pull back on this hit. No, I can just fly in and hit this guy because the pads yeah. will protect me. Yeah. No, fucking won't. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to drop my one swear word right there, but like that's the reason that you see so many concussions because now you have bigger, stronger, faster guys wearing more pads thinking they're not going to hurt anybody yeah. if they hit them because they're wearing well, not pads. Even, not even, it's, I don't even think that's, you know, there is a part of it to that, and I get what you're saying, but I think the larger issue with the reason that you see so many injuries now, so many concussions, you know, all these guys getting killed, 
is because, you know, when the rules of football were originally very, and a lot of people like to, you know, wax poetic, like, these players are soft now, they're not tough, it used to be a hard-hitting game, you know, those people that mm. think that they're, like, iron workers from the 50s, even though they're just yeah. a regular-ass dude in 2016, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. the rest of us, exactly. but you got those people coming out here and talking crazy about how the game's not the way it used to be, they can't play like that anymore, because back then, you didn't have... 400 pound dudes running a five second 40 <laughs> like these dudes are so much bigger stronger and faster that you know you no wonder people yeah. are getting practically killed by some of these hits i mean if you took some of these guys out here these huge colossal super fast guys now that are so strong and so fast and you put them yeah. out there on a field back with all like these people's heroes from the you know, Vince Lombardi days or whatever, guys would get decapitated. Yep. People would be murdered. Defensive ends would be killing people. Yep. I would love to see uh, Cam Chancellor or whatever, somebody from the Seahawks, get a chance to sack, like, Joe Namath. Oh like, come on, yeah. man. Like, really? Like, there's just... And that's the same problem you see in baseball. It's like, oh, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth played in a time when there weren't half the players out there. Well, specifically because there were no black players. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about a change in time. Right. But, uh, and let's get to that since that's the last one. MLB, what are you changing in Major League Baseball, guys? Number one thing, and Justin, I bet you'll agree with me if you can think of this ahead of time, the number one thing that Major League Baseball needs to change is they need to loosen up with all of their copyright restrictions for mm-hmm. video and viral content. They don't allow anybody to embed videos of highlights, game, things like that. They don't allow you to do vines, short video clips of great plays that happen. They have a whole team of people who spend every day scouring the internet to remove any video clip that's not directly through MLB.com when you're logged in. And it's such a backwards way of approaching the world. Like You can tell that baseball is run by stuffy old guys who are Mm -hmm. still iron workers from the 50s in their heads. Like, they need to embrace that viral content because how are you going to get young people to care about watching your game if they can't consume the media in the way that they consume all their media? This is the Bryce Harper argument that he got a lot of flack for. But that's, I'm telling you, he's right. Baseball in general is out of touch with society. And for me, I'm sorry, I I know this will never, ever happen. You need to cut the regular season in half. They always talk about getting rid of games, going down to 140, 150. 82 games. Make it the NBA. Yeah. 100 no one in this generation in this society we live in is going to pay attention for 162 games. I don't think anything. I don't yep. think about half, but they can they can cut it down. I think half is probably a little bit extreme because it takes away part of what makes baseball baseball. Yeah, I guess. And that's not like uh, you know, the game should be played the right way, the old way. But that's a lot of the, the a lot of the interest in baseball comes from the fact that they play so many games, they get so many statistical mm-hmm. repetitions. But I don't, you know, I am right with uh, with Bryce Harper and his whole thing. I love what he said. I love what he's oh, yeah. doing. I don't have much art. I don't have much time for people who make the argument like that's not playing the game right way or that guy's got no class act. Uh, I I don't want people acting like absolute you know criminal maniacs. But by that same token, like everybody's trying to hold up to some code. What are we even talking about here? It's, it's a, a game. Let them the, have fun. Exactly. That's the point. It's a game, and the game should evolve with the times. Right. I know that baseball sees itself as this stuffy like representation of America, but like, come on, man. Like, no one feels that way besides well, you guys and like go, selected people in Cooperstown. Let's you go with a, a wrestling analogy. When when you have a star, yes, let's. always. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, with the star, say Daniel Bryan, your boy. Yep. When you have a guy that is transcending your sport, you get behind him and rally and alter the way you do business. So if you have a Bryce Harper who is a mega star, you ride mm. him and his personality into the promise. Well, that's line, exactly it. What you yeah. need you to look be at doing. the NBA when Michael Jordan was coming up, people said, they're like, you know, he wears his shorts too baggy and he trash talks too much. And he 
people cared that he hung his tongue out while he was playing. Yeah. People were like, mm-hmm. he doesn't play the game the right way, and this is an affront to my tradition. And look what happened. You yeah. get behind Michael Jordan. Now look at, you know, the NBA is now probably the fastest growing of the major four sports franchises, yeah. and the one with the most longevity going forward. Like, yeah. the NBA is just about to really hit their maximum mm-hmm. stride now. You know, they're at one of the best times they've ever been. Well, I got just a, a brief baseball one, because I, I was thinking about as we were talking about a couple of points. They need to uh, limit the amount of spending that these teams are doing. Yes. Like, there, there's got to be something. But on the flip side... The shared revenue thing is garbage because you got teams like the Marlins mm-hmm. who don't spend any money, dump all of their roster, and then collect money off the Yankees, Red Sox, Angels, Dodgers of the world. They won two be, titles in that period, but, though. But still, to be uh, uh, tragically shitty, if I can. Yeah. Like, it's an insult to the way you run a business yeah. and to your fans. When you, like, you can do, not even the Marlins, it's, it's not entirely that. Um, but the pace of the game is another one, too. So that's that's one of the, the things. And get rid of Interleague. Interleague is so stupid. Oh, that's actually a really good call. That I, I, or make a DH yeah. or just a pitcher all the time and stop. These rules are dumb. Interleague used to be something that people got excited about, but now it's so prevalent that it yeah. doesn't mean anything anymore, so just might as well get it rid of it. It forces teams to completely um, build their rosters for half of the games yeah. they don't even play. Like, it's ridiculous. Great work today, guys. We got off on tangents on both segments. I had more stuff to talk about. We're not going to get to it. Um, very quickly, though, I just want to shout out to somebody, one of our listeners, at Pete Forgets on Twitter, asked us to over-under Vosses as a restaurant. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. We've actually talked about this before in the past about Vosses. Uh, Vosses is open. Uh, I say it's not overrated or underrated. It depends on what you get. The barbecue, the pork barbecue, super overrated. But if you get the Mexi dog, underrated. Just depends on what you order and if you don't mind waiting in line. It's become so overrated that it's now kind of underrated. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. I don't eat pork or uh, red meat, and ice cream gives me headaches. So, Pete, there you go. For me, it's overrated, but don't worry. You'll probably forget. <laughs> hey <Hey-oh. laughs> uh, Guys, thank you very much. Uh, to, <laughs> thank Done. you very much to Brett Pruitt. You can check us out uh, Sunday at 6.30 on 92.7 The Drive, the Sunday Drive. Uh, again, thanks to Brett Pruitt. Thank you to Justin Parkinson, uh, Kevin Sullivan. My name is Sam Famolaro. We will be back. Just, 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 just